welcome to Between the Gutters, where we talk about the stories within the panels. This is Albert Lamb, and with me is my co-host... I'm Drew Tan. Drew Tan, there we go. Drew Tan, the man. Yes, we're coming at you live. Well, I guess it's not really live because you're listening to a recording, but as we're talking, we're alive. Exactly. <laughs> me and you are very much alive. We're, we're red-blooded Americans. Our hearts are beating. We're full of passion and fire and fury. We're, we're yes. alive, Drew. We're alive. My pulse is beating with comics I'm the doing blood of our existence <laughs> <laughs> that's good because i'm doing jumping jacks <laughs> that's how pumped i am we're pumped <laughs> because today we are going over a very special writer one who's had a big presence in our life uh we want to discuss the work of one mark miller yeah that's right and the thing that precipitated this was last week, uh, on May 17th, 2020, our favorite comic book-related YouTube channel, Cartoonist Kayfabe. Make sure you check them out. They uh, had an interview with Mark Miller. Um, so Cartoonist Kayfabe, if you guys aren't aware of it, is a YouTube channel by Ed Piscor and Jim Rugg, two really talented comic book creators in their own right, and they have a channel where they just talk about comics kind of like the way that we do, except they do uh, videos and they're actually, uh, you know, professionals in the industry. So they can talk to other professionals a lot easier. And they also have insights being professionals that they can bring to us, to the listeners. Uh, that's just kind of enlightening and illumin- illuminating us on just what the process is and what, what they appreciate about comics as people who are, in the industry of comics. Yeah. And I think one of the things that's really cool too, is how both of them are artists. So when they talk about different comics, um, you know, you'll hear them discuss the artwork in much more intelligent ways than uh, the two of us, I suppose, (laughs) since I can't draw (laughs) worth Jack. (laughs) And I'm just a step above dribbling into a cup. (laughs) (laughs) But yeah, anyway, they they uh, have a lot of cool interviews with other professionals, and and most of the time they get interviews with um, you know big name artists, people like uh, they've had Howard Chaikin, uh, Rick Veach, Rick Veach, uh, Tim Truman. I think I think they might have even had Kevin Eastman at some point. Mm-hmm. Uh, but recently, uh, or I guess with this Mark Miller interview that they did uh, the other week. They call it the the shoot interview, right? Because it's cartoonist kayfabe, and and those are wrestling terms where, you know, you, it's about the suspension of disbelief, uh, and and it's also about you know what's real and what's not. But uh, yeah, they did a shoot interview with with Mark Miller uh, last week that Albert and I both watched independently and really enjoyed, and it inspired got, us. Yeah, it, it inspired, inspired us, us to, to talk about Mark Miller and. Dig out his comics it. from our collections and exactly. just flip through them. Yeah, just really bask in yeah. enjoyment. And on top of that, just watching the video of their interview, there were a lot of things that, uh, well, I can't speak for Drew, but I certainly walked away with a lot of things. Um, just historical comic book anecdotes as well as just, again, insights into the industry, um, insights into Mark Miller's headspace and just what he thinks about comics and how he views comics and 
you know, him being someone whose body of work has been largely present in both of our uh, comic collecting lives, uh, that's that's information that's it gives us a lot of context and there's a lot of value to it, I think. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Before we uh, talk about uh, the shoot interview he did with cartoonist Kayfabe, why don't uh, we provide a small, a brief overview of uh, Mark Miller's career and what are some of the most notable works that he's done? That sounds great. I'm, uh, I think you're probably a little more familiar with his early works than I am. Um, yeah, so... Yeah. I'll I'll just say Mark Miller. He's a, uh, I believe he's Scottish, and he broke into comics back in the later '80s or maybe even mid '80s. Um, but he initially started off writing a lot of uh, British comics. So things things in like 2000 AD, uh, Judge Dredd magazine. I know he had a good number of strips there, and that's the kind. Those are the comics of of his that. I'm actually not really familiar with. I just know about them, and but I've never actually really read them. Mm. But I think he did some. Uh, he did write some Judge Dredd. I think. He, I think he did some Rogue Trooper. Uh, he did a comic called Red Razors. Uh, those are all 2000 AD. But unfortunately, I don't. I don't have them on hand, and I can't say I actually read them. And mm. it took him a while to break into uh, American, American comics. comics. I think his. Maybe his first American comic might have been uh, Sonic the Hedgehog for Archie Comics back in the early 90s. I know he had a run on that. I I remember that, and there's actually a interesting slash funny story about that. Well, it's, yeah. not, it's not that funny, but he later on in his career, he would do a, a, a very brief run on The Flash with Grant Morrison, another uh, Scottish... I believe he's Scottish, too? Yeah, I think so. Yeah, another Scottish writer, and it was... There was a comic about, um, you know, th- this being Mark Miller's big chance to be to to do the Flash. He created a character in that story that was essentially the Flash's imaginary friend, and you know, although <laughs> he doesn't explicitly say it, like just the way that the character is designed and the way um, that he interacts with the Flash, it's kind of a nod and a wink to the idea that this was a Sonic the Hedgehog type of character that was hanging <laughs> That's out with the Flash. That's pretty funny. <laughs> yeah. That is funny. Yeah. But yeah, Mark Miller, he, he kind of, it took him a while to, to really uh, make his name in American comics. He he did a bunch of like, I guess, lesser known or less prominent work throughout the late 90s. And then it wasn't until uh, early 2000s when he finally, I guess, kind of became big and that was with the authority uh so he he was the writer of the authority and frank quietly was the artist after warren ellis and brian hitch had finished their run yeah. i believe warren ellis actually either suggested or, or recommended mark miller to succeed him as the writer of the book um and mark miller and frank quietly's authority uh got pretty big it was uh I mean, the authority at the time was it was a big, a big deal already. Yeah, it was a big deal already. And now that they had these uh, guys that weren't as familiar to American audiences, people started to take notice of them. 
Yeah. And Frank quietly ended up leaving the authority to, to draw uh, X-Men. And then Mark Miller, um, shortly after that, the authority being a DC book, he ended up going to Marvel after that. Marvel snapped him up. This was during the, the Bill Jemis, Joe Quesada era in the early 2000s. And they had him do Ultimate X-Men. And that became uh, one of their biggest selling books of the era. Mm-hmm. And ever since then, he's pretty much just been a hit machine exactly. for them. Uh, he's just produced a whole bunch of comics that I think it's fair to say shaped the direction of Marvel. I mean, along with other writers in their respective books, but it, he definitely made a contribution in shaping Marvel and their kind of direction for years moving forward after that. Yeah, definitely. There was a period from probably around 2000 to about 2010 or so when he did a lot of really high profile Marvel work. Mm. Um, But he was also, even during that time, he was doing his own comics too, his own creator-owned comics. And he kept sticking with his own creator-owned stuff, eventually uh, developed a line called Miller World, which became so successful that he ended up selling it to Netflix a couple years ago. Yeah, And now he uh, pretty much just... He still runs Miller World. I think Netflix owns whatever they make. Um, I mean, in terms of uh, they have him on as IP. an executive, as far as I know. Yeah, um, I so think he, that's what he's, he mentioned in the video. Yeah, so he produces um, the comics and 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 also produces them as uh, television or or mm-hmm. Netflix movies. I know so he's, that. Yeah, he's yeah. got a successful career. Yeah, and I was gonna add that I know that. Um, I know that you that you drew don't necessarily like uh, blurring the line between comics and movies. Uh, you know, us being a comic podcast, we should be discussing our love for comics. But um, for those of you that don't know comics quite so well, or as well as you know television or movies, like just an idea of just how successful his career is, like a whole bunch of his stuff has ended up as movies um yeah so we've got things like wanted we've got kick-ass uh kingsman kick-ass uh, also had a sequel yeah kick-ass 2 had a, was the sequel to that and kingsman has a sequel and a prequel so um there's that and even if you don't know if, if you are only tangentially familiar with those movies um his his work I think it's fair to say directly influenced the Avengers movies and how that ended up looking. And even uh, the movie Logan was, was more or less based off his story, old man, Logan. I mean, it's it's pretty, it's still pretty different, but it's got the same premise. Yeah. You can tell his, you can tell that Mark Miller's old man, Logan Mark Miller and Steve McNiven, uh, their comic was clearly the inspiration for Logan, the movie. Yeah, yeah. And you can also say, uh, not just uh, the, the original Avengers movie uh, by Joss Whedon, that was obviously heavily influenced by Mark Miller's work in The Ultimates, but yeah. Mark Miller also wrote Civil War. Yeah, and I forgot about Captain that. Captain America right? Civil War uh, was... Again, it's, it was different from the comic, but you can tell it was clearly... Yeah, a very obvious. Uh, they workshopped the the original premise into something that they could turn into a movie. Or yeah, you, know, that's you can even say that uh, 
You know that last Fantastic Four movie, the one that didn't do very well? I think it was uh, Josh Trank. Trank, yeah. Yeah, that one. Um, I think that one you could also say was inspired by Ultimate Fantastic Four, which Mark Miller and Bendis co-wrote. Right, right, right. Yeah. So, so you know, for those of you that aren't as familiar with comics, if you're more cinephiles, then um, he he's had a big influence um, in those movies. Oh, in, there's also a there's also a DC animated movie based on Superman, Red Sun. Yeah, and that's that just came out fairly recently. I want to say like maybe a month ago. Yeah, I, th- yeah. I, th- I actually haven't seen it yet. I think it came out, it might have come out after the the quarantine period, you know, or yeah. maybe it was right before, but yeah. I just know that I haven't had a chance to, to it, pick it, wasn't it up in, yet. It wasn't in theaters, it's a direct-to-DVD sort of thing, but um, just so people know, I, I do think that a lot of the DC direct animated movies are worth checking out. And Red Sun is definitely... Uh, up there in terms of things that are worth checking out. I just if it's anything like the comic, I, I would check out that movie definitely. Yeah, absolutely. So that's a uh, kind of Mark Miller in a in brief small nutshell, I guess. Yeah. If, I mean, I, again, I would definitely recommend you. Uh, go to the cartoonist kayfabe youtube channel and you can hear mark miller talk about his career in, in his own words yeah um we'll see if we can but, provide a link somewhere um, yeah yeah we'll throw up a link in yeah. the in the soundcloud description or something yeah but yeah that was actually one of the things i wanted to talk to you about albert um just what are some of the highlights that you gleaned from his shoot interview with cartoonist kayfabe yeah um it's all still fairly fresh in my mind, um, but I think it's there's a lot for me to to kind of jump on and talk about just because there was a lot that they discussed. Um, so I, on some level, there I don't even really know where to begin, but uh, I will say. I did enjoy a lot of his stories about uh, how, what it was like for him coming into the industry and, you know, how hard it was, uh, how he was an artist, how he initially wanted to be an artist for comics. And, you know, he got into the industry trying to be an artist, but just because necessity and circumstance, he ended up becoming a writer and he continued to evolve over time and uh, uh, he evolved with the circumstances. Uh, there's an interesting anecdote where he talks about how initially all he wanted to do his, his basically the height the the end goal for him was just to write Superman and Batman. That was all he really <laughs> wanted to do. And he made it sound like he would have been happy if that was where his career had ended. If he could just do those things, but yeah, but again, you know, um, time and circumstance has a way of just evolving a person and um, putting them in a position to grow. Uh, so he did talk about how over time he he worked with DC uh, when he broke into comics initially, and I wouldn't say he was 
soured on the experience, but there were things that he wasn't particularly satisfied with working with DC Comics. And, uh, you know, uh, like, uh, so as added context, I think the authority is a good example. So mm-hmm. when he got on the authority, um, at the time, Warren Ellis had just finished his run. And this was in the comic world. This was like one of the hottest books out at the time. And for him to hand it off at its peak, uh, that was kind of a big deal. You know, it's it's kind of like, oh, who's this guy and can he live up to it? And he absolutely, Mark Miller absolutely knocked it out of the park because like people were just talking about his his run, especially those first, what was it, four issues with Frank Quietly? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that was the nativity story. Yeah, the, the nativity story. Like he just blew it out of the park. Like I don't want to like, go too much into detail because it's something worth reading and i don't necessarily want to spoil it for you but uh drew did mention that he worked with frank quietly on it and eventually marvel snagged up frank quietly and as far as my understanding goes he mark miller was put in a position where he was just given a bunch of artists and they just kind of threw everyone and everything at him um yeah can you... I, th- I think the other thing that happened during that run i don't they I don't know if it was necessarily the artist's fault that the artist that he was stuck with. Because even the, if you look at the artist that he that finished off his run, most of them weren't bad artists or anything. But yeah, I think the thing that that hurt was um, the censorship. Uh, right. Because because right. at some point, like in the middle of his run, uh, well, nine eleven happened, and I think that gave DC a lot of pause in terms of how to depict violence and yeah. the authority was definitely not a book for little kids. It wasn't like something like Spider-Man that you could just give to, you know, seven-year-old Billy and have him enjoy it, you know? <laughs> like, it's a little bit more, a little too intense for, for a yeah. kid. Yeah, So, because, you know, this was a comic where where people were... You had guys... You know, murdering other people up. Yeah, exactly. Basically. Superheroes were... We're not. They weren't. They weren't dealing with kid gloves. They were killing supervillains, which yeah, not just yeah. supervillains, but but even things like like dictators and stuff like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and I think there was. I think if you go online, you can definitely read a lot of kind of the behind the scenes details that went down. There was a lot of but, drama. Yeah, the basic concept is is that there was a lot of drama editorial kept on messing with his scripts and changing things up yeah that might have affected the they definitely censored the artwork in certain places if you actually if, if you buy one of the older uh issue like if you find a back issue of some of mark miller's authority or or even look at some of the older trade paperbacks you'll see that there are certain things that are are uh, clearly censored when you compare it to the original pages and how they were supposed to be. And if you buy the absolute edition of the authority by Mark Miller, the original art has actually been restored. So you'll see, you'll see pages where um, the lettering, the, the, the captions are different to be more specific about, about um, little details. Even the artwork has been changed in certain areas. Um, Yeah. And I think the culmination of people messing with his comic yeah. I'm sure he wasn't too happy about that. Yeah. Like on one hand, obviously he he he's a person. He understands the uh, you know the milieu of the of the day and and yeah, uh, uh, 
there's a there's a need to be sensitive to the world around you, but yeah. at the same time, uh, the way that I think the powers that be treated his work as he was doing it, um, it soured. Yeah, him. I can understand why he wasn't. Yeah, I can understand why that soured him. Mm. And I'm sure when Marvel came calling, he was pretty happy to go somewhere where he felt like he was wanted. Yeah. And even in the interview, he talks about how, like, when he got the chance to, you know, to even graze doing the mainstream hero comics like Superman and Batman, um, he just found that he wasn't necessarily in the same place that he was earlier in his life. And he found more of an affinity to the Vertigo guys. And, you know, once... Uh, what he mentioned in the video was once he ended up going over to, once he was given the opportunity to go over to Marvel, um, he just found that their um, leadership was just, their leadership and environment was just more welcoming to him and his personal style. And he was, and you can see just by like his level of production for Marvel in those years and what he was putting out that, he was he was at the height of his game, you know. Yeah. Um, and again, like he's con- he was constantly evolving beyond that. Um, he told an he told an anecdote about how there there came a point in his career uh, where he, you know, he he he'd already been given the keys to the Marvel Kingdom. He got a chance to write all these top tier characters, made all these stories, and. He was he was getting the itch to move off and go on and do his own create his own works. Um, he he mentioned that Jimmy Palmiotti was talking to him and kind of gave him a he's an artist and writer uh, in comics and he essentially was talking to Mark Miller and was like, look, I know you're putting all of your A stuff into what you're producing at Marvel, but don't you want to like make stuff on your own? And mm-hmm. just through that germ. Um, what eventually happens is he, he gets the itch to go off and do his own thing. And this itch is just so, uh, pervasive or, or just so powerful, so compelling to him that at one point Marvel even offers him a million dollars to work for them for a year. And he decides to forego that million dollars to go off on his own and to create Miller world and put himself in a position where he would have to foot the bill for all of the stuff that he was creating. And he had no idea whether he was going to be able to make it. He had no idea whether um, he was going to be able to pay the, the artist that he was working with. But he still took that risk. And, you know, we, we have what we have now as a result of that decision. So, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, so those were those were... That was one of the things that I um, walked away with. Um, did you have anything, Drew? Yeah, that was definitely one of the things that I was uh, really surprised to hear, actually, because I I didn't know that uh, I had never heard the story about how Marvel had offered him a million dollars just to stay with them uh, and, and continue churning out Old Man Logans or whatever, you know? Yeah. Um, one of th- One thing... Maybe this might be the thing that stood out the most to me in terms of the interview uh, was he made a point where he was talking about 
how comics is kind of a cyclical business where you know every 20 years or so um, things rise and fall and and people's as people's tastes evolve and change there's certain uh, creators that get brought out to the forefront and during that period of around 2000 you know that was basically him and Bendis you know like maybe you could throw Jeff Johns in there uh, but like people like him and Bendis were, were really big starting around uh, 20 years ago or so and yeah like it's it's true because if you think about it think about um you know like the the cycles of what was who was big you know 20 years before before them go back to the to the 80s it was people like um i guess chris claremont um but you also had guys like frank miller and walter simonson and and alan moore Yeah, yeah, yeah and and then um you know 20 years after mark miller you come to today's time and you got who who are the big biggest names in terms of writers now? It's it's got to be people like Donny Cates or Tom King, Tom Taylor, guys yeah. like that. Um, and I guess time will tell whether or not um, those individuals have uh, the lasting impact um, as the other people we mentioned from the past. But I, I did think it was cool how Mark Miller brought up that point. Um, yeah, he's not a guy. He didn't. He's never come across to me as a guy who, who, who thinks that you know he's still the king of the hill. Um, he's not trying to hold on to some past glory that yeah, yeah. he thinks you know he's got to keep on clutching to, to the idea that every comic he writes has to be a massive hit because he's Mark Miller and nobody else can yeah. withstand his prowess. You know, he, like he he's a guy that that just loves comics as much as anybody else and. Yeah, he had the he has the self awareness to see, yeah, like tw- twenty years ago he he was, uh, he had an opportunity to to do a lot of big comics um, at Marvel and a lot of those comics uh, pretty much built the uh, his career I guess you could say um, yeah. gave him the profile to to be able to strike out and and do what he wanted. Yeah, I um I got that impression as well from the interview. Like I he just seemed like. He didn't seem like a dude who was pretentious by any means. He's he just seemed like a dude who loved comics, you know. And um, in regards to what you were mentioning about the cyclical nature of comics, I did think that was another thing that I walked away with from the interview that I thought was interesting. He he did mention that comics, like culture, like politics, he even mentioned like mm-hmm. there was just a cyclical nature to it, like you said. So it you you'd have this period of massive creativity and inspiration and then you know it'd be like five years at marvel five years at dc and then there'd just be this period of um i don't want to say desolation but you know <laughs> of um of banality <laughs> i don't know five years of um me- mediocrity I, I don't know what the oh, term so you're, are you talking about the new 52 um i every time i talk about a bad comic that is certainly the thing that jumps to the front of the forefront of my mind yes that was a pretty banal period for yeah mainstream like, superhero comics if you want to just knock off a list of just mediocre comics like the new 52 was a was just a a fountain it was a murderer's of, row yeah of forgettable comics yeah. But, but I will say that 
the 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 thing that I picked up from Mark Miller in the in the interview that that was kind of surprising to me was just how optimistic he was about the outlook of comics because he he proposed this uh this cycle for comics and then he went he he even went on to say that I think 2020 is going to be the year that we're going to see like we're going to see some good stuff coming out that's going to be a high point for for comics for some time to come and i was like wow that's uh like so for those of you that listen i don't know if it ever comes across but me and drew do talk about comics often and um (laughs) there 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 are comics once in a while (laughs) it's a thing we do but uh but what i was saying what what i'm not sure that comes off is just how much um how 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 much I, I I don't want to say despair we have for <laughs> for current comics and because that's kind of a strong way to put it but there you know there there are times where we look at the current state of comics and we just go what is going on man um, well I, I'll, let me say this I I don't I don't necessarily feel that way about the comics medium but. Yeah, I feel yeah, that yeah. way when I look at Marvel and DC. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sorry. So, I, so I yeah, I, I want to have that distinction. Yeah, yeah. So, you know, when when he said that there was gonna that twenty twenty was gonna be this big year, I was like, wow, that's pretty optimistic. Um, yeah, well, I mean, to be fair, I think he was thinking about comics in general, not specifically Marvel and DC. Okay, okay that's fair. That's totally yeah, fair. yeah. I believe. I mean, I don't want to put words in his mouth, but that that was the impression I got. Yeah, because he he was talking about um, you know his his creator own stuff and yeah, uh, you know, just new, I think it goes back to the idea of how 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 uh, every generation of creators is influenced by a previous generation to some extent, you know. And when you look at um, the the comics that are popular, ne- I'd say like for the past. Uh, Maybe, maybe five to eight years up to the present, it feels like the creators that have been getting a lot of work at Marvel and DC have been influenced by the comics they grew up on, which tends to be comics of the '90s. Yeah, specifically the the early '90s and late '80s, mm-hmm. which, in my opinion, is a really bad time of comics. <laughs> when you yeah. think, I mean, when you think about what was popular, right? It's it's stuff like Rob Liefeld and. X Force and yeah. McFarlane and Spawn, the Image Revolution. Yeah, a lot of a lot of stuff that was all about Flash and no substance. So, yeah. um, you know, it's one thing to grow up reading those. You and I read those when we were kids, but um, as adults, I don't think we particularly have too much affection for them. You know, they're they're those yeah. are more artifacts of our youth. Um, maybe we can enjoy them on a nostalgic level. Exactly. But but I, I'm not gonna pick up. Um, I don't recommend of, them to anyone. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. I'm, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna pick up an issue of Todd McFarlane's Spider-Man or yeah. or Spawn or something and be like, Young blood. Yeah, this is this is how comics should always be, you know? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> or I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna uphold them as anything more than what they what they are, you know? They're just yeah. they're just kind of mindless pop comics, and and if if people like them. You know, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna tell people what they can or cannot like. But exactly, uh, yeah, exactly. if if you if you still think that those are great comics, then <laughs> I, it it would make me scratch my head. You know, like I I yeah. need to hear 
an explanation as to like why you think it's great. Like if you can, if you can uh, elucidate and and just discuss in an intelligent manner and speak to why you still appreciate or enjoy comics of that era or a specific comic, then you know I can respect that. But if you're just like yeah, this is just awesome. It's 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 rad or yeah. whatever. You know that that doesn't say a whole lot to me. And and at that point, I just I just kind of think uh, people like that are meatheads. <laughs> yeah, um, unfortunately, we have more than our fair share of those individuals in our fandom. So, you know, again, to each his own. If that's what you like, that's what you like. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But it did make me going back to the to Mark Miller though. I, I think. Um, looking at his work, it, it does make me think about who I, th- or it makes me kind of imagine who he was influenced by too, you know, like, yeah. uh, he, I think he, he's about 50 years old, I believe. So he's, he's older than us, but he's not old enough to be our dad or anything like that. Yeah. Um, but even so, you know, that like being, being like 15 or 15 or so years older than us, there's, that's like an entire that's a big generation of comics, you know? So like the stuff yeah. that he grew up on was, was way different than, than what we had. And, and not only that, but he grew up in a different country. Yeah. He even mentioned in the, in the interview with K, uh, cartoonist Kayfabe that, um, his, uh, that his access to comics was pretty limited, uh, in Scotland. And, you know, he was getting stuff that was behind the times from, mm-hmm. uh, behind the times of what was coming out, you know, uh presently at that time so i do think that tends to affect certainly his taste in comics and you know uh if we were to extrapolate from that uh it it affected what he was writing about when he got a chance to write in comics yeah 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 absolutely it's it's kind of a story that i feel like we hear a lot from uh British creators. Uh, I remember listening to the Brendan McCarthy shoot interview he did with cartoonist Kayfabe, and he said something along the same lines. Where I think it, it's it just seems like uh, the UK received a lot of uh, reprinted Marvel comics. Yeah. Um, but they, but they got them. They happened to receive them. You know, like months if not years after they were originally printed. So yeah. Um, yeah. I, I feel like a lot of British creators have they, they they have a lot of affection and respect for for artists like Steve Ditko and, and Jim Steranko and, and guys like that. Mm-hmm. And so, obviously by the time Mark Miller was was coming up, he uh he had stuff like Watchmen and The Dark Knight Returns to to look at. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, that that was that's probably the stuff that that he uh was reading when when he was a teenager. That makes sense. So, what are some of the things that you would say? Uh, or how, how would you describe the impact that Mark Miller had uh, in comics? Um, the thing that jumps out to me the most is I'd have to start back with the authority by Warren Ellis, which was, and what his contribution to comics was. And, you know, this is me being long winded because I'm just providing context before it get to a point. But, um, the 
thing about the authority by Warren Ellis was it uh, it sort of blew open the doors on how comic book storytelling was and just modernized it and updated it and made it more cinematic. Um, put it it put the storytelling on par with or not on par, but it, it made it uh, what's the word it it made the storytelling modern uh not palatable but it, it it made it it updated the storytelling so that it was more cinematic and i think that mark miller continued in that trend because um you know once even after the authority once he came over to you know ultimate marvel was uh once he came over to marvel one of the first things that he got to do was ultimate x-men which was a modern take on the x-men and he yeah. provided those sensibilities to the X-Men. And it was such a success that he he even got a chance to do it with the Ultimates. So um, I do think that he applied that, that those sensibilities to, uh, to storytelling for a whole bunch of books moving forward. Uh, yeah, yeah, I, I, I'd have to say that that's that was for me, anyways, his biggest contribution to comics. Yeah, yeah, for sure. He, uh, he, he's someone that I think has made a name for himself in terms of bringing intelligent spectacle. Mm. I feel like that's something that he does really well is, is bring a lot of spectacle and and action um, yeah. to his comics. Uh. Just the fact that so many of his comics ended up becoming, um, I guess, top sellers. I, I didn't. I don't. I don't have any sales numbers off the top of my head or anything. But I do know that Ultimate X Men was really hot yeah. when it was coming out, um, and also the Ultimates, even though it had an irregular uh, release schedule, every time an issue came out, it was just the comic that everybody at the store was talking about, you know, yeah, like everybody yeah. was like, when is the next issue going to come out? And like when, when an issue hadn't come out for a couple months, people would be like, man, where is it? You know, like everybody's just yeah. chopping at the bit to, to find out what happens next. I think, and, you... he, and like, it kind of became one of those things where eventually uh, his name became big enough where they could just put his name on something and, and you'd be guaranteed to sell a good number of copies of it. Yeah. Yeah. I think you hit it on the money when you said that it's intelligent spectacle. Um, another way to put it was he made smart man action films, you know? Yeah. Um, so, like, I I do remember this one time I went to a comic book shop, and it, it's, it's interesting thinking back upon it, but I remember talking to someone about uh, the Ultimates, and at this point, it's like you said, the... the the schedule was pretty irregular. It wasn't coming out uh, as quickly as other comics. But what was going on was, even in those early issues of the Ultimates, there wasn't a lot going on. There was a lot of buildup. But I yeah. remember just eating that stuff up. Just the character interactions and the dialogue. And, you know, you never... Maybe you got a couple of pages of guys punching other guys, but... You, you you really didn't get like that big battle or like some huge fight 
in those early issues of the ultimate you know exactly and he he was uh building up a story before he got to the action yeah yeah and i guess i guess it does hurt it a little or at the time it felt like it hurt a little because you know it was coming out slower than other comics and i remember talking to some guy at uh the comic at um one of the comic shops i was at and i just mentioned like oh yeah isn't that great and the guy was like yeah but i just want something to happen (laughs) (laughs) yeah i mean i guess i guess that's something i can understand especially when you're reading a comic on a that's being serialized yeah um because then you're just reading a lot of uh, build-up and you don't get that payoff yeah but now we have the yeah. you know the collected edition, um, or you can find all the issues online digitally on on a Marvel Unlimited or Comixology or whatever, or yeah. buy the trade paperback or hardcover. You know you, now there's a way that you can consume the entire story at once, so you don't yeah. have that feeling of feeling unsatisfied. But, yeah, yeah, but I mean that's just kind of the nature of serial fiction, you know. Like exactly. there's always gonna be there's always gonna be stories that kind of leave you hanging until they get resolved in the yeah. next issue or in a future until issue. Until the payoff. Yeah, and you just have to be, as a reader of serial fiction, you just have to be patient. Yeah. So I, I felt like, I feel like people who, who are like, every issue has to have some kind of payoff. That, I don't I don't really agree with that mentality, you know, yeah. because number one, maybe maybe this is my uh, elitism as a, as a trade paperback reader or a hardcover collector coming yeah. out. Uh, but you know, I don't really need every single issue to have its own payoff. Yeah. You know, I, I can, I can be patient, you know, and that's yeah. not to say I never buy a single issue and, f- and feel like, uh, unsatisfied by it, but yeah. you know, it's just understanding, you know, this is comics and this is serial comics. When you buy yeah. an issue, you know, I can read it once. Maybe, maybe I won't enjoy it as much. But I'll I'll hang out to it and then I'll I'll buy the rest of the store rest of the issues get the full story and then reread it yeah. in one sitting and then I'll be like I'll be able to to look at it and say oh okay that's what he was that's what this guy was building towards or you know yeah. that's where the story was supposed to go and it makes a lot more sense that way. I do feel like that there is a type of comic book reader who grew up in an era of comics where there was like a villain of the week, so every story was kind of. You got that dopamine injection from like this is the bad guy. He had a fight this week, and then moving on, you know. And um, yeah, as it evolved, you would uh, you still had kind of you had the the early versions of kind of long form storytelling where they would have an ongoing story, but there was still that you know villain of the week, you know battle of the battle of the issue sort of thing, right? So yeah. Um, yeah, like you, I'm not necessarily against that. Uh, I can pick up a single issue and just enjoy it. But I think with the power of hindsight, we can look at something now like the Ultimates and Ultimate Volume 2, and we can look at it as a completed work. And although at the time it took, you know, several years to produce all of those, um, if we pick it up now, you see that it's it's uniform. It's got one artist all the way through and you consume it just as an entire body of work, just like that. And it's completely satisfying. 
Um, and it's one of the top 25 marvels of all time, according exactly, to the experts. Exactly. Our cave-dwelling scientists have confirmed so. Exactly. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> which also brought me to... I, I did want to mention like another like interesting tidbit on just kind of the the inner workings of Mark Miller's mind. He did mention at one point that one of the ways that he writes stories was that he 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 comes up with the ending first and uh he likes telling stories with endings. So uh, he he comes up with this, an ending first, and he if if he's if he's writing a story, he'll kind of flub the beginning because, as he put it, you know, no one really complains about like a slow yeah. beginning, but you know, once you get to the end and you tell your whole story, you can just kind of cut it off, and you know, that's that. You know, it's it feels whole, it feels complete, and I. I um, I adhere to that school of thought, you know. Yeah, yeah, that that's a good point. That was another funny uh, tidbit that I gleaned from that interview. You know, it's a, it's a good point. Nobody really complains about a bad beginning, but people yeah. constantly complain about a bad ending. Yeah, yeah, or uh, yeah, I, like I'm. You might hear something about a slow beginning or whatever, but you know, if it ends badly, then you've just I'll go as far as to say it, it sours me on the entire experience. Like, right. I, yeah. Yeah. I think a lot of people would be far more angry at a bad ending or a disappointing ending. I mean, I would even go so far as to say sometimes endings are, you know, they're obviously really controversial when you have something that a lot of people read or watch and oh, yeah, that's totally it takes true. years for you to get to your ending. You know, yeah. people are people build up all sorts of uh, expectations, and yeah. it's not necessarily the fault of the writer or the creator. Yeah. But that, that's just how people people are. Uh, people are selfish, and they want to yeah. have maximum <laughs> satisfaction. You I know, mean, I mean look, that that's really what it is, right? Like, yeah, people look at people Game just, of Thrones, dude. <laughs> yeah, that's a great example of, of. I mean, I haven't even seen the ending, but I've heard a lot of people didn't like the ending. They so started it's, it's just... a Patreon to redo the ending, and it was just like, <laughs> "Yeah, get out of here!" Really? Do you really think you can do better than these guys? Like, who are you? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> uh, yeah. So that that's that's humanity for you. Yeah, that's why we uh, we we that's why we refer to our cave dwelling scientists to come up with our uh, with yeah. our metrics for what's good. <laughs> It's completely scientific and objective. Yeah, they've cut themselves off from humanity to completely focus on comics. Exactly. (laughs) So that's why there ain't no disputing their findings. Yep. So I want to... Do you want to move on? Yeah, what what, what were you going to ask? I was going to ask you uh, to tell us what your first experience with Miller Comics was. Oh, okay. So my first experience with a Mark Miller comic was probably uh, Ultimate X-Men. So Ultimate X-Men came out, I think it was um, in the year 2000 or or maybe early 2001, I forget. But it came out during a time when I wasn't really buying comics 
super regularly. Like I wasn't like there was there's a period in my life growing up when I was a kid and I would go to the comic store um maybe okay, maybe not every week, but a couple times a month, right? You know, when you're a little kid, you kind of got to rely on mommy and daddy to take you to the store. So right. so every so often they would take me to the comic book store or uh you know, we'd go to a a bookstore and and back in those days there were bookstores and bookstores had racks that had comic book issues and that, that's how I would uh, buy a lot of the stuff that I did read. And then after a certain point, like in the mid late nineties, um, I kind of stopped buying a lot of Marvel and DC comics, superhero stuff, just cause um, you know what it was? It was the age of apocalypse, man, age of apocalypse. It and broke you. <laughs> it, it broke me. It was a combination of the age of apocalypse and Spider-Man, the clone saga. Both it of those killed was. me. It truly was an age of apocalypse. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Funny thing is, is a lot of people our age actually look back pretty fondly on those comics. And it, to me, it kind of goes back to that thing where a lot of people, you know, they, they like things that they grew up on, but um, it doesn't mean that they're still good. You know, like when I was a yeah. kid, I, I liked the Ninja Turtles cartoon, but I watch it now. And I'm like, why did I like this? This isn't. It's not a good cartoon, you know. It's maybe it's maybe it's fine for kids. Kids can like it, but kids eat paste too, you know. Yeah. So it's it's yeah, it's just one of those things, man. And and I kind of lost interest in superheroes because of Age of Apocalypse and and uh, Clone Saga. I I would still go to the comic book store, maybe one or two times a month or every so often, but it would be for other comics at that point. Like I was that was when I was first starting to get into anime and manga. Yeah. So I'll be checking stuff out like that. And then at the bookstore, starting starting around that time, I was I realized that, oh, there's a lot more uh, trade paperbacks coming out now. So I can actually go to the bookstore and, and read like a thick collection of comics. Um, and then I think so it was must it must have been like late high school or, or early college. No, I, I, yeah, I think I think I was in high school still. I think I was at a Borders or something. And and I had heard about Ultimate X-Men from reading issues of wizard magazine so yeah. i kind of knew like what it was supposed to be but um it was out of borders when i finally saw ultimate x-men volume one so i was like yeah i'll check this out man i i, I remember liking the x-men when i was a kid and, and this isn't you know i don't see any i don't see bone claw wolverine or or anything lame like that <laughs> yeah <laughs> so i'll 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 pull this off the shelf and, and read it at the store dude yeah. so I, I checked it out and i read it um Honestly, I don't think I really liked it at the time. It was just like kind of whatever to me. Um, even even now, I would say Ultimate X-Men is not my favorite Mark Miller comic. I don't think it's bad or anything. It's it's just not something that, that hits me uh, too hard. But it, it helped me realize... It, I remembered his name after that. Like I, rem- I, th- I thought the thing that stood out to me about Ultimate X-Men was I felt like... When he reinvented the X-Men for a modern uh, generation, it felt like one of the one of the key ingredients was to make sure that everybody on the team was a jerk. <laughs> you know, yeah. it's like everybody is either a selfish jerk or they've got some kind of weird psychosis that just makes them kind of really hard to like. Yeah. Like somebody that's just super insecure or super needy or somebody that's just a total creep like i remember 
when Wolverine joined the X-Men in that first arc, I, th- I think he was, I think he was, he started off as a spy for Magneto or something. Yeah, he was, he, uh, joined, he was a mole. <laughs> yeah, and he joined yeah. the X-Men and, and he's like some, some old grizzled veteran soldier, right? And, and then the other X-Men, they're like teenagers or something. Yeah. Or, or if not teenagers, they're, they're like young, really young adults. And I remember like that first arc, I think he banged Jean Grey and I was like, Dude, what the heck, man? That's kind of messed up. That's that's gross. You know, <laughs> it's like okay, the original X Men comics they always had that that thing where where Jean Grey and Wolverine had some kind of romantic tension, even though Jean was always with Cyclops, but Logan was attracted to her. But as far as I know, they never consummated their lust or anything <laughs> like that. You know, <laughs> and, yeah. and then Mark Miller comes on to Ultimate X Men and and he writes that scene. I'm that's like, the first thing you're gonna do. <laughs> <laughs> so so I, I think at that point i was like well that that that's weird i don't i don't know if this is for me and then yeah. the thing that made me uh appreciate mark miller though was a few months after that i think i was uh yeah i was a freshman in college and i think i was home yeah i was definitely home from break for break i think it might have been like winter break or something and i read uh i was hanging out at a friend's house for uh i still remember it it was like New Year's, New Year's Eve, a New Year's Eve party. I was at at a buddy's house, and he he was a comic book collector himself, and he had I think the first six or seven issues of the Ultimates, um, and that was all that had come out at the time. So he was like, I, I just wanted to see what he had in his collection, and asked him if he had anything cool to read. Um, everybody else was like watching a show or watching a countdown or something. And I was just in his room, like looking through his comic book collection, and I saw the Ultimates, and he had like the first, I don't know, six or seven issues or however many had come out. So I just sat down, read issue one, and I was like engrossed in it the rest of the night. And I finished all the issues he had, and after that, I was just chomping at the bit to to find out what would happen next. And that was the that was the thing that made me really want to read more Mark Miller comics. Nice, nice. Very good, man. What about you, man? What was your first experience with Mark Miller's work? <laughs> um, so this might be telling of how much of a typical fanboy I am, but <laughs> um, basically the first thing, my first exposure to Mark Miller was Wizard Magazine. I remember, um, so this was at a point in my life where I wasn't making my own money, uh, or I wasn't making a lot of money, so I had to be selective about what I was reading, so I I don't think I was even buying that many comics at this point in my life, but uh, I would get a hold of Wizard Magazine, either through friends or from the library, and I just read that just to stay abreast of what was going on in comics, and that, that kind of that fueled my imagination and kept me going in terms of my connectivity to the world of comics. And I remember at the time in wizard, the big deal was the authority. And Mm -hmm. again, this just speaks to the kind of fanboy I was at the time, but just the way they were selling the authority by Warren Ellis was these are, you know, these are some tough guy superheroes. They don't take no <laughs> guff from nobody. They're proactive. They're going out here and they like kill and, you know, 
they're they're going after the villains where they live. This isn't anything like we've ever seen. And you know the the teenage um, boy that I was that just wanted to you know dr- immerse myself in the power fantasy of it all. <laughs> I was I was eating that stuff up. I was like, yes, this isn't any this isn't for kids. This isn't like any other comic that I've ever seen. <laughs> And then they talked about Mark Miller, and they talked about um, the nativity story that we mentioned earlier, and um, how the authority show up to a fight drunk, and they just showed all these little snippets of just kind of action movie dialogue uh, of just you know the Midnighter going ham on one of the on one of the um, one of the villains, the 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 ersatz avengers that that they were fighting mm-hmm. in the nativity and they were like check out this scene the you know apollo the superman analog he flies through a dude's head you know like <laughs> how awesome is that and, yeah i i was a dumb kid <laughs> but i liked good comics <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Uh, that's some fun stuff man to to have that be your first mark miller comic yeah, I, yeah at that time i i don't think i had read the authority i i had heard of it and i knew what it was but i i think i think because i had been out of superheroes for so long um i didn't i didn't uh actually read it for myself even though i had heard of it and i'd seen some of the covers and issues on the racks when i did go to the store but i just yeah. never actually read it so yeah, it wasn't something I read until after um, it was done. Yeah, and I will add, you know, even though my my I want to say intentions, but even though the reason that I was into it at the time, uh, even though it's kind of juvenile or whatever, I will say reading it now, these are still good comics and they still stand up. Yeah, there's still so much to them aside from just you know the violence of it all, you know? Yeah. Yeah. They're, they're they're just, his authority run is just really entertaining. Like every, every story is entertaining. So there's a lot of stuff that's kind of ridiculous, but you just kind of have to roll with it. You know, like if it's what it's, it's a lot of stuff where you just have to, um, just allow yourself to, to have fun and and enjoy the ride, you know, like that's, that's the kind of comics that, the authority is by by a miller i wouldn't take it too seriously like just enjoy the uh, enjoy the adventure of it all you know uh even even the ridiculous stuff that you mentioned like some of it some of it makes me laugh it's cringy but it makes me laugh (laughs) it's yeah yeah exactly yeah i don't know if it's just uh the passage of time and uh you know being more socially aware makes certain jokes harder to to enjoy yeah but you know if you're if you're just in your room reading this by yourself yeah there ain't no problem with with just like busting your gut laughing at some of this stuff exactly and i don't take mark miller too seriously on on what he's writing i don't like take it as reflection of what he personally feels or thinks <laughs> you know like yeah and i would even go as far as to say like even if it is even if some of the questionable stuff is stuff that makes you laugh like i don't think it'd be very wise to go out there and you know 
read a room. <laughs> don't, don't go making these sort of jokes to the kind of people who wouldn't appreciate them, you know? Like, just be more self-aware. <laughs> You know, the thing that I'm I'm thinking of right now is that story where they fight Seth. Uh, the doctor? No, the... Uh, oh, oh the okay, okay, okay. Genetically augmented in Red Hick. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, even just saying that, it, there's something bizarre because it's like not a, not, a, not a set of words that you often say in sequence. Yeah. <laughs> I, it makes me think that it's a password to something, right? It's... Yeah. It's just such a random collection of words that it's got to access something. It's got to be a password for a computer somewhere yeah. or like a cave that gives you access, you know, to like a cave full of gold or something. Yeah, totally. <laughs> <laughs> One of the interesting things about Mark Miller is, is how successful he is, uh, Something that we we touched upon earlier tonight um, when we were talking about all the things that have been adapted into movies based on his work, but also to it's not just that, but it's just the fact that um, a lot of those things happen to be comics based on comics that he owns or co-owns with his uh, artistic collaborators. So I, I think um, it's amazing to see this level of success from a single writer, like the only other person I can think of who has like, just strictly speaking of, of success in terms of, of um, artistic freedom, as well as financial success and fi financial uh, earnings. Yeah. If, if I'm not saying that's how success should be defined, but I'm just saying uh, that's how, it's one way to find it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. By by that measurement, it feels like Mark Miller is probably one of the most successful comic book creators of all time, and the only yeah. other person that I can think of that really compares to that magnitude is probably Robert Kirkman. Yeah, I, I think that's a fair comparison. Um, I will say, I, I think along those lines, another way to look at it is just in terms of if you measure his success by the amount of clout that he has, um, you could say that just the amount of liberties and freedom, uh, creative freedom that he was able to take with his work to the point where, again, he, j he could go off and start his own company even and like to do what he wants and how he wants it. I think that's a little, not to say that, you know, judging it by monetary value is crass, but uh, <laughs> that's, yeah. Yeah, I, I like, yeah, I think that's an easier way for me to measure it is just like, when you are successful enough to do what you want to do without anyone having to tell you how to do it, uh, I think that's a good way to judge that you've arrived. Yeah, yeah, totally, man, totally. Yeah. He's had a yeah. It's it's just one of those things that's that's cool to see, because um, too many uh, too many comic book stories end up with heartbreak. You know, like a lot of yeah. For for it's an industry that eats up its its uh, 
the creators it's creators it's fans yeah. you know it, it, it's not kind <laughs> yeah kind industry yeah you know the king said it best man comics will break your heart jack kirby yeah for sure oh. what do you think it is about mark miller's work that uh has allowed him to become so successful like obviously a lot of people buy it um and that's how he's been able to to build on a lot of that but but what do you think it is about his work that appeals to his fan base or to the masses really since he basically like one of the things in in his shoot interview was he talked about how he loves mainstream entertainment you know like he's not he's not one of those pretentious art school kind of people where yeah okay if you ask him what his favorite movies are he's he's i think i don't remember exactly what he said he said jaws indiana jones um yeah just like popular movies that everybody has heard of and probably watched right yeah and and he said it wasn't he wasn't going to name some like pretentious obscure art school yeah somebody you know he um the the anecdote as far as i can remember went that he was talking to a buddy of his and he was saying, his friend was saying, you should name some obscure like French film or Indian yeah. film. And he was like, no, I like Jaws is in my top five. Indiana Jones is in my top five, you know? And like, he's, he's unabashedly a fan of just pop culture, I guess, or not, uh, not pop culture, but just, you know, the just stuff that, with mainstream appeal. Yeah, exactly. And, I think that's exactly it, right? Um, like, it's weird for me to say that he has his pulse on, you know, on what's popular, but that that's, I think that's fair to say, right? Like, um, we mentioned earlier that when he tells his stories, it's smart man's action film, and he's able to... He brought a sensibility to his comics that were that were updated and modern and in line with how modern audiences consumed their entertainment. And I think that the fact that Jaws and Indiana Jones were on his list of his favorite movies and that he wasn't ashamed of those things and that he embraced those things, I think that's exactly why he's able to tell stories in a way that modern readers can read and they're able to follow along and they're able to um hit all the beats and you know it it it's paced in a way that they are accustomed to consuming their stories um (laughs) yeah uh what was i gonna say Uh, yeah i i i do think yeah, I had a point, but I lost it. Uh, maybe it'll come back to me later. But uh, um, just to top it off, that's I, I do think that that's that's where his appeal comes from. Was he was able to tap into like just how everybody listened or how everybody consumed their entertainment, and he was able to put it on paper and like put it right back there so that they could follow along. And I just got what I was going to say. <laughs> so I mentioned earlier that in that wizard comic that, um, or not comic, the, in that wizard magazine. magazine, when they mentioned uh, all the scenes, when they were talking about uh, Mark Miller's authority, what they did was 
they pinpointed a lot of snippets of a lot of like cool moments or like it's exactly like i said the apollo flies through a guy's head uh the midnighter he he walks up to this um super villain and the guy's begging for his life and he says i have kids out there somewhere and midnighter just goes they're better off without you i mean that's and then decapitates him decapitates him and it's such an action movie thing right it's like i'm gonna have a cool one-liner there's gonna be this cool scene of something happening and it's just like that i think that sums it up yeah someone who reads that is gonna remember it Exactly, exactly. And he knew Just like in the Ultimates, right? When when Captain America says, You think this letter on my head stands for France? Yeah. And like even in the first issue, there there was the there was a scene that I always remembered. Uh it was a flashback, they were in World War Two and Captain America's on uh he's on a plane and they're all getting ready to jump out and yep. there are a bunch of soldiers with them and the soldiers are looking at Cap and there's like, Where's his parachute? And he goes, He doesn't need a parachute, he thinks it's for girls. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> and it's stuff like that. It's just like quippy one-liners and like just cool moments. Like he knew how to capture that, and he knew how to put that on on paper. And because we, as a generation, grew up with action movies in Commando, or no, in Total Recall, Arnold Schwarzenegger he shoots his his you know yep. his villain of a wife, and he goes. Consider that a divorce. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, like we grew up on that stuff and he knew how to take that and put it on, on paper. So, so when you ask me what his appeal is, why does he appeal to the masses? I'd have to say that that is what he brings and that is what his appeal is. Yeah. Yeah. I have to agree with you, man. I think that's really spot on. He, he writes really entertaining uh, mainstream entertainment kind of stories um yeah. i think at least i for sure i can say that for his his uh marvel work um and a lot of the miller world stuff it, i think one of the things that's interesting to think about with with miller is compared to a lot of or not i wouldn't even say a lot compared to some of his contemporaries now that i think about it it, it does feel like he's not really the kind of person who does too much formal experimentation in, in terms of his storytelling. Yeah. Like you mentioned how a lot of his stories are really easy for people to consume and, and he's kind of mastered the rhythms and, and pacing of how people are used to reading or watching a story. Yeah. So I, I think if you compare some of his work to, um, I don't know, let's just say Grant Morrison, right? Um, someone that he's had uh, a long association with. Grant Morrison is somebody who writes, um, he's probably somebody who would be more likely to say that his favorite movie is some obscure French art indie film, you know? Yeah. Uh, he might say he likes uh, Salvador Dali or something. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and when you look at, when you look at Grant Morrison's stuff, a lot of his stories do tend to have a lot of, um, more obscure or heady references, Mm. you know, things that aren't, that don't really appeal or don't really, that the that the mainstream audience may not really uh, your average have full person, awareness of yeah your average person probably isn't fully aware of those things exactly yeah it's 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 stuff like uh in doom patrol right when when grant morrison wrote doom patrol he they fought something called the brotherhood of dada 
Yeah. And now you're diving into existentialist philosophy. And, you know, that that's the kind of thing that I'd have to go to school to learn about, you know, like, yeah. or I could read this comic instead. <laughs> 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 yeah. And, and it, it, those, those ideas that, that someone like Grant Morrison can come up with, they're a lot more, they're like farther out there in a sense, because it's, it's not just the plotting that's, that's weird, but it's, it's the ideas and, and the philosophies and the concepts behind them. Yeah. And even some of the formal experimentation within the comics, like, like the meta narratives and even um, like how he has like some of the art in various Grant Morrison comics. Like I think about uh, something like we three, there's a lot more experimentation in terms of story structure, panel layouts um, and pacing Whereas if you look at a Mark Miller comic, yeah, they're they're all really easy and straightforward to understand. You can just like if you wanted to breeze through a, a Mark Miller comic in in like five minutes, you probably could. Um, mm. Whereas if you if you took a comic like We Three by Grant Morrison and Frank Quitely, uh, you know, to read a single issue of that, even though there may not be a lot of words, if you really wanted to appreciate it, you could spend like a good amount of time looking at one issue. Yeah. Because you'd have to kind of interpret and make sense of the artwork as well if you really wanted to see what was what was happening. Um, you whereas truly wanted to understand it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Not to say that it's incomprehensible if you just blast through it, but I think I'm just talking in terms of uh, maximizing your like Value. maximizing what you can extract from uh the, the story you know like trying to yeah. maximize your enjoyment and and seeing seeing different layouts um or pages that have you know like 20 or 30 panels you know that maybe they don't have words so somebody could say yeah i'll just like skim through that and get through it real quick but uh you know there's still something deliberate about a story like that because they don't just do that randomly you know there's intelligent decisions behind each act of creation yeah um that kind of trust the reader to to make sense of it and with comics and i guess reading in general there's always that concept of trust between the creator and the audience um and there's a kind of that contract where you know you you as the audience as the reader you kind of get what you put into the work and if you if you just go through it really quickly then then maybe uh you only kind of tap into the iceberg the the top layer of that iceberg but if yeah. you really wanted to uh you know chisel away at it you could see everything beneath the surface of the water yeah however i think with uh with most mark miller comics uh at least the ones that come to mind immediately i would i would say generally um there's a and this is not me slandering Mark Miller in any way, but I want to—I just want to say that I think his comics do appeal to the masses because of the phenomenon that you described, right? Like how his comics are easier to understand. They're very straightforward. Um, there's not too much formal experimentation in the artwork, meaning the layouts are easy to read. Um, and it's a lot of stuff where you don't have to put your brain into overdrive just to figure out what's going on. 
Absolutely. So yeah, so the the stories are easy to understand, but they're also just really entertaining. And I I think the entertainment comes from uh, a combination of the build up to the action as well as the uh, the jokes and the one liners. Yeah, I here's something that I do want to add. Um, I know that the term like a smart man's action film in in a certain way or in a certain light um could be taken as almost a backhanded compliment <laughs> but, <laughs> but i really don't think of it as one because truth be told i i do think there's a lot to appreciate in being able to communicate simplicity like yeah you know so yeah so even though you say things like Mark Miller's stories are straightforward and they're easy to follow, um, to someone casually listening, they might think, oh, yeah, that there's nothing complex about it. How impressive is that, right? And, I, you know, I get that. Uh, that's one way to look at it. But it's like that Mark Twain line, and I don't even know if I'm quoting it right or I don't even know if it's Mark Twain, <laughs> but, you know, I, <laughs> We'll, that, we'll attribute it to him anyway. Uh, yeah. Um, He's he, dead. He can't come after us. Yeah. Maybe his children can, but... Uh. <laughs> <laughs> but it's that line that goes, I wrote you a long letter because I didn't have time to write a short one. The yeah. implication being that, you know, it, it takes a lot of work and a lot of craft and a lot of um, thought into making something that's simple and that communicates everything that you needed to communicate so i do think there's there's a certain there's definitely an intelligence to being able to tell a story that is easily accessible yeah yeah absolutely and and yeah just to be clear i I think uh when i consider his work um more simple or straightforward it's definitely not simple-minded you know well maybe some of it is but but like (laughs) (laughs) but like the best of his work you know like the best of his work isn't it's 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 still really strong craft you know like there's obviously a lot of thought that goes into each page and and each line of dialogue and um the structure of the story but it just so happens that the way that his style is just that all of his stories, pretty much all of his, most of his stories are easy to understand. Yeah, um, for sure. Yeah. So what do you think? Well, here's another thing I was going to bring up is Mark Miller is a very polarizing figure, uh, and I don't really want to get too much deep into what people think about him as a as a person, uh, but I, I I was gonna say his uh, his people seem to tend to there's a lot of vocal detractors of his work as well, you know, like I think especially in hindsight that tends to be true, like yeah years after yeah that, certainly yeah and they and and I. I don't have any statistical evidence or or facts to back this up, but I was also going to say that it it feels like he's a guy who has a pretty reasonable, if not 
very large fan base based on um, you know his ability to sell a lot of comics, but it, it does feel like um, there there are some people out there, like maybe a small number, but it's it's like a vocal minority. You know, yeah, when you go on the internet, yeah, when you go when you go on the internet and you just do a, a Google search for Mark Miller sucks, you know, you'll find a lot. <laughs> you'll find yeah. a lot of stuff. Yeah. There's there's tons and tons of Reddit threads. People writing really long blog posts about why they can't stand his work. Some people even write about why they can't stand him because some for some reason I guess they 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 take so much offense at some of the things that he's written that they 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 think you know he's he's like some sort of horrible person or something. Yeah. yeah. So so what do you think about his detractors, Albert? What do you think about them and what they have to say about Mark Miller? I don't think about them at all, to be honest. <laughs> I've gotten to a point. I've gotten to a point in my life where I do think that Mark Miller came to a point in time where he his writing came at a period in time where the internet was just becoming the toxic place that it is. So, right. so we were just, in some ways, he was kind of the predecessor, or like what what happened to him, or or the you know in terms of the communities or the groups of people that tend to speak out against him, um, it's a predecessor to a lot of things that we see now uh, in in internet culture. So I I don't ever want to make it a big thing about how how could he joke about this or how could he talk about that or whatever like don't get me wrong there are certain titles there are certain stories and certain ideas that i am certainly going to say are well past their prime and i will even even reading it with modern sensibilities i'd be like yeah those are those are certain ideas that I can't get on board with. Mm -hmm. But for the most part, I just have to be a critical thinker and I just have to take it on a case-by-case basis. I'm not going to say that Mark Miller is all one thing or all another thing. It's like I said earlier, like if you're going to read it and if you're going to laugh at some or laugh or even like be engage not engaged but you know if you're reading this comic where something awful happens i don't i don't take it as an indicator of views that he holds or right of him as you, a person. you separate the art from the artist right? yeah like his his the, the 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 thoughts and 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 viewpoints of the characters in the story don't necessarily reflect the exactly. points and thoughts of the creator. Exactly. And this is one of the instances where I can make that separation because as far as I know, Mark Miller ain't a bad dude. Like, mm-hmm. Again, I know you mentioned that you don't want to go too far into like Mark Miller, the man. Uh, no, but... Well, I was just, I, I just meant that, I mean, he's he's definitely a good dude. I, you know, even though we've we've both met him very briefly, I think we're still fairly decent judges of character. You know, yeah. <laughs> and, 
And, uh, you know, I there are people... I pretty high bar. I tend to hate yeah. those people. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. You, you, you hate most people, yeah. but so what Miller is someone you don't hate. Well said, Albert. Thank you, thank you. <laughs> um, yeah, like, uh, again, I don't look at the... He, he writes stories and he does things for effect and I don't look at the things that his fictional characters do as, you know, him uh, approving of these things or and I certainly don't think that they speak of what he does on his off time. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah. so as a story, I can accept it, you know, and I again, I get it. There are certain things that that don't age well. There are certain things that that I wouldn't necessarily put out there for that I wouldn't discuss in you know polite company. But I'm I'm also mature enough and my skin is thick enough that I can appreciate his comics and I can move on from there. And I'm not gonna internalize any of his stuff and be like, oh man, I'm gonna. I'm like all about dead babies now, you know. That's, <laughs> that's my thing now, Drew. I'm, I'm like, I want from now on. I want to be the dead babies guy. I'm not gonna do that. Wait, what was the dead babies comic? Uh, no, I'm just, I just was pointing it out as an example. Oh, okay. <laughs> you know, like funny I how that was what came to mind. <laughs> yeah, I just, I'm just, yeah. I don't want to. I don't want to be known as the dead baby guy. So. There we go. That's that's my hot take on it. What about well, you? Here, what, here's, what were you going to say? What were you say? I, I was going to say, I was going to ask you about some of the specific criticisms that are commonly leveled at Mark Miller and which happens. So, so like one of the things that a lot of his detractors tend to focus on is there, there's, I guess there's a few things really like number one, people, like to say that his his stories are are dumb, uh, whatever that means. Yeah. Um, I think we kind of addressed that uh, a few minutes ago when we were just talking about being, you know, straightforward spectacle doesn't necessarily mean it's it's dumb. You know, it's just something for for the masses and and mainstream appeal. You know, that's not necessarily always a dumb thing. If if you think yeah. it's if that's dumb on principle, then um, you know. I guess all you can enjoy are obscure French art indie films, right? Um, another thing that people, another criticism that a lot of people level against him is that he's, they don't just, like, for, it's weird because this is something that I see um, brought up about his work all the time, but in a way it's like very accusatory, almost saying like, it's almost like they think he, he condones it or something. Yeah. But it goes back to like what we were saying about how the characters of his stories don't reflect, you know, his personal uh, views on life. Yeah. And, and like one of those couple of those things that always come up, people accuse his work of being misogynistic um, or misanthropic. Uh, you know, there's a lot of sexual violence in, yeah. in a lot of his comics, you know, and like, you can't really, I guess that's something I can't really deny. Like a lot of his comics have a lot of rape um, and it's just, sometimes it, it does seem like it's, it's there for shock value. Um, so what are your thoughts on that? 
Um, look, I, I'm not going to dismiss people who have sensitivities about that sort of thing. I get it. Like, some of that is sort of harsh. And to those people, I would say, you know what? Maybe it's not for you. Mark Miller isn't for you. And in that case, uh, yeah, like you, like I, I wouldn't force his comic on you. Like you're. (laughs) (laughs) Dang. No, I'm no, I'm I'm being serious here. I wouldn't try to force one of his comics on anyone, right? Like if you don't like it, then you don't like it, and I understand it. That's that's fine by me. But I also don't think it's fair to say that his work shouldn't exist at all. And I wouldn't ever try to shame him into not telling the story that the way that he wants to tell it. And in addition to that, um, you know, the, the people that are doing the bad things, the committing the acts of sexual violence, they're terrible people in his stories. They're the villains. It's not Captain America isn't doing this, you know? <laughs> so like, they're supposed to be bad people. I, like I, I would, you know what? In in the eighties, I I grew up watching a lot of Charles Bronson movies, and it felt like in every Charles Bronson movie, there always had to be a scene where the gang got a hold of his, you know, family or his loved ones or some woman, and they did something awful to her. And like, I get it; it's a terrible. It's not the best trope, and I understand women who say that. Well, women are more than that. They don't. They're not just you know devices to move the story along to get this guy in this place where he has to get revenge for her. I, I get that, you know, and um, that's something that can evolve over time as sensibilities change. And there are different ways to write that story, you know, um, but I don't blame Mark Miller for it. I don't feel the compulsion to shame him for it. Like, mm-hmm. it is what it is. Like, just move on with your life and read something else. Like, and I don't mean that in an angry or an aggressive way. Like, um, art is art. And if you don't like it, then, you know, it, it'll, it's, it's not always about appreciating art that has to be palatable for everyone. Sometimes there are certain things that aren't as palatable and... Yeah, there are certainly things that make me cringe, and you know what I do? I tell myself, okay, I'm I'm educated about that. I've educated myself on on that particular comic, and I don't think I'll be going back to it. I'm not going to write, you know, a letter to someone saying, I'm not... Okay. I hope no one takes offense to this, but I'm not going to write a... (laughs) I'm not going to write a letter to Garth Ennis saying, hey, man, Cross was a line too far. <laughs> you know? I'm just not going to read it. I'm just not going to read it, man. <laughs> or uh, how, how about is... uh, Alan Moore's Neonomicon or something like that? Yeah, exactly. My skin is thick enough. Like, And, you know, if it doesn't do well, then there won't be more comics like it. Like, we don't – not everything has to be a campaign. Yeah, yeah, but, I, I agree, man. Yeah, but I will add, there are certain things that I do see have campaign-worthy value. So I'm not going to say that you shouldn't ever, but there. That's that's my 
that's my bit. Yeah, that that makes sense, man. I I, I think I'm uh, along the same lines as you too. There have have there have you ever read anything in a Mark Miller comic that that did make you cringe or feel uncomfortable because of what you were reading? Oh. Uh... <laughs> <laughs> Okay, so I this is coming from someone who owns a lot of his comics. Um but there was one comic that I didn't that I remember I read it in a Borders and I ended up not buying it and and I haven't read it since, but like it left enough of an impression on me and enough of a taste in my mouth that I was like yeah, I don't I don't think that's something that I need to own or something that I want. And again, as as a as a fully mature adult male human being, <laughs> I was able to look at it and I was able to go, this isn't something that I'm going to you know, use to paint my entire impression of who or what Mark Miller is, but um I read Nemesis and I have to say that that wasn't something that was something that was just a little too over the top for me in terms of just the things that the villain was doing. Uh, like I, I, I You want to explain was... what the villain did in that comic? Yeah, well, okay. I was going to say I, it's I've read a lot of stuff, so it, it it might not even compare to some of the worst stuff that I've read, but it was <laughs> gratuitous enough where i was just like eh, I'm, this probably isn't the thing for me like so the the premise of nemesis was mark miller wanted to do a a story where what if batman instead of being batman you know with all his skills and resources and talent what if he was more like the joker does that mm-hmm. make sense so so in his story, there was a supervillain that was going around terrorizing a city just, you know, for, for, you know, giggles. And he was, there was no rhyme or reason to it. He was just doing it just for, for the sake of pandemonium. And again, this was the premises of this guy had the resources, talent, and ability of Batman. So he was just doing all sorts of things. He was like, from what I remember, and this isn't even the thing that like bugged me the most, but he, uh, I think there was like a school bus full of children that he, you know, that he threatened to blow up Mm -hmm. and that wasn't the worst of it. I was like, okay, I was on board. I was reading the story. I was like, okay. And then, um, I think it started getting weird for me when uh, when this when Nemesis starts taking on the the cop one of the cops in the story. I, like I said, it's been a long time, so I don't really remember it too well. But from what I remember, he impregnated the cop's daughter with either uh, the cop's child. Like he found a way to artificially inseminate her with the cop's child and then that's right he booby trapped the womb that's right it would i remember that now it was something ridiculous right and i was like uh this is kind of a road too far for me like again i i i can distance myself enough from 
the fiction aspect of it to be like, okay, these are all fictional characters. This is all just fiction. So it's not in and of itself something that hurts anyone, but it was... I think the thing about it was it was just gratuitous for me. I just felt like I don't I don't over see the what, top. Yeah, it was over the top. I didn't see what the point of it was. And like maybe maybe the point was Mark Miller just wanted to write a villain that was just so over the top that it just entertained him. Uh but you know, me personally I'm not entertained by that. And I was able to read that, and I just went, yeah, this isn't for me. I'm still, I'll still read Mark Miller's stuff, and I, I've, I've since continued to buy more of his comics. I, I have stacks and stacks of his stuff, and um, I just don't have that one particular story because I don't really have any desire to own it. Okay, because I, I actually uh, found all four of the issues in a quarter bin the other, yeah, uh, I don't know, last year. So. Yeah. I, I picked them all up because they were a quarter a pop. <laughs> so if you ever feel like you want to reread it, man, just hit me up. I'll, I'll uh, loan it to you. <laughs> thanks, thanks. Um, I'm good. Maybe <laughs> you know what? Maybe I will just to see if uh, my opinion has changed over the years. I'm pretty sure it hasn't. <laughs> but <laughs> I'm I'm game. <laughs> you know the the thing that made me super uncomfortable in a Mark Miller comic was. Uh, I can't remember if it was Kick-Ass 2 or Kick-Ass 3, but one of those sequels, um, one of the comics sequels to Kick-Ass um, had a scene where the heroes, the main characters, uh, I don't even love think interest. she was really his girlfriend. Yeah, just his love interest. Yeah. She she gets uh, gang-raped by a bunch of supervillains. Yeah. And they, that one, yeah. I think that one was something where, I remember I, I borrowed that from the library Um and I read that and I was like, dang, you know, it's like, yeah. <laughs> it's, uh, that kind of overpowered every other memory I have of the story. <laughs> like it, that was just, it's not really something you see in a comic very often, you know, like yeah. obviously there's, there's violence being perpetrated all the time, but, but, yeah. uh, yeah, something like that, even though it wasn't, it wasn't like it was graphically depicted or anything. Yeah. It was just the mention of it. Yeah, like they, yeah. they 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 gave you enough to know that it happened, um, yeah. even though it wasn't gratuitously drawn on the page or anything. But you just know, yeah, in the story, that's something that yeah. happened to the main I character's they, love interest. Yeah, I I even remember. I think they even explicitly said it. Like they, it wasn't implied. They. They said that yeah. what had happened. Yeah, it was very explicit that it had happened. It yeah. just wasn't explicit. It wasn't explicitly uh, depicted on. Yeah. In in the artwork. Yeah. It, man, it, that would be. Wouldn't that be weird, man? Like to, to think of a wholesome old John Romita Jr. drawing a scene of sexual assault like that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, you know what? I remember the scene as well. Uh, and I get it. I, I'd probably. I probably share that same like level of cringe. I I think the thing that still made it okay for me to read that was I, I well not okay, but you know, it, it was the thing that happened in the story. Yeah. Whereas with Nemesis, 
it just felt like Nemesis was all about just all of that stuff happening. You know, just this escalation of just stuff, like just crazy stuff happening. And it it was kind of like Nemesis was about what, what's the most um, despicable act that another human could conceivably perpetrate on another person, you know? And like every, every, every issue kind of escalated that to, to try and figure out what is the worst thing a human yeah. can do to another human being. It really, yeah, you're right. It really just felt like a lot of his work at, at least in that period of time was about, man, how do I, how do I just one up the last terrible thing that I did? How do I keep showing how awful, I, how, how <laughs> awful these characters are? How do you I know? out Miller, Mark Miller? Yeah. <laughs> But I will say this, like, I, I've I've collected a fair amount of his more recent works, and, you know, I don't see quite as many, or quite as much of that. Mm-hmm. Um, so... Yeah, I've like, read some of his more recent Miller World comics, too, and, and they're, they're a lot tamer in comparison. Like, they don't have yeah. as much over-the-top, yeah. uh, you know, sexual violence. Yeah. <laughs> That isn't to say that, like, I feel like, again, I, I don't feel like he needs to be shamed or there, that there needs to be a campaign in this particular instance when... Yeah, when I'm, not, I'm not saying I want to censor him or anything. Yeah, he, can, yeah. he can write what he wants, but, yeah. you know, there, there's... Even I have my limits, you know? Yeah. <laughs> as much as I enjoy and appreciate his comics, you know, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I think my favorite comics of his definitely don't have as much rape. <laughs> oh oh wow <laughs> Oof. <laughs> i will say um yeah well i forgot what i, I lost my train of thought but um uh, yeah uh yeah anyways go on <laughs> yeah i mean i guess all of that to say is is uh just to get to the point that mark miller you know he's a, he's a man that has written a pretty wide variety of comics because so many of his works are self-contained so yeah. he's always writing new types of stories and and you know we just spent a little bit of time you know a little just dissecting and, and talking about some of the more uncomfortable aspects of his writing like even the things that um you know a lot of other people would say makes them swear off mark miller forever yeah um uh, and yeah, yeah. For me, I I, I just don't uh, see it that way because I, if if it's if it's a comic that I'm not able to enjoy, then I'm not gonna, you know, you know, I'm not gonna read it or I'm not gonna spend money to to own it. Yeah. But that doesn't mean I'm gonna turn away from the rest of his body of work, you know, because he's yeah, written yeah, yeah. a lot of stuff that that is enjoyable, and and he's written, you know, for all the for all the flack he gets for being misogynistic, I think there's a lot of stuff that he's written that doesn't have any misogynistic content and actually yeah. has, um, you know, uplifting. like positive uplifting content as well. Yeah. Uh, I just remembered what I was going to say, which was, you know, um, I've never written a comic of my own, but, you know, as... As people who produce content, sometimes you swing for the fences and sometimes you miss. And yeah, uh, on the other end of it, as people who consume content, like 
we just need to learn to be a little to have a little bit of leniency on it and a little bit of grace and forgiveness about it it's like okay if again i'll read something on mark miller's and if it doesn't necessarily vibe with me or if it even makes me cringe i'm not gonna write him off you know he's gonna have to do a lot more than that to make me like put me in a position where i'm just gonna completely disown his body of work so yeah exactly uh, yeah and so just put yourself in that position where if you wrote something that you know didn't necessarily that doesn't necessarily come off the way that you intended it to just what kind of grace or what kind of uh uh leniency would you want right so yeah. mm -hmm. that's 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 all i got on that yeah and it's not like mark miller the person himself has done any of those criminal acts you know yeah at the end of the day it's it's just a fictional story um and if you don't like it you don't like it if, yeah. if it makes you feel uncomfortable yeah don't don't force yourself to read it or anything yeah um but he's uh as far as i can tell um he's you know he's he does not uh condone you know those those kind of <laughs> actions or <laughs> you know he's he's a normal uh good-hearted person and and yeah yeah like a, a like a regular teller. guy yeah he's just a storyteller you know yeah and like yeah, sometimes some of the beats don't necessarily hit. Yeah, I still remember um, the time I met him at a signing. You were there too, right, Albert? Uh, I don't at think Isotope? I was. I, I think it might have been. Actually, you know what? I think I was there. Yeah. Was Was it for War Heroes? Yeah, it was when War Heroes was coming out. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, it was at the Isotope in uh, San Francisco. Mm. So I remember... Uh, showing up early because there was we were sure that there was going to be a line and mm. and we got there it was him and tony harris um doing this doing a signing we got there in line pretty decently early so i think we probably only waited like probably no more than 20 or 30 minutes to get our book signed mm -hmm. and i remember um when it was my turn uh, i went up to them and Tony Harris uh, signed my copy of uh, JSA, The Liberty File, as, yeah. as well as Ex Machina Number 1. And and he even, in, inside my uh, JSA trade paperback, he, he actually drew a sketch for me, which was really cool. But while he was drawing the sketch, I, I had uh, a brief little chat with Mark Miller when he was, he signed, I think the only things I brought for him to sign for me were... Uh, my both of my ultimates hardcovers so he signed both of those and and then tony harris was still doing a sketch so had a like a minute or two when uh it was just mark miller making small talk with me and i, I told him that i had i think this was uh i don't remember what year war heroes came out maybe like 2007 or 2008 or so Ooh. but uh, like right around that time i had just obtained uh off eBay, I, f I found a full run of Mark Miller's Swamp Thing. Yeah. Which, in my opinion, is the second greatest Swamp Thing run of all time after Alan Moore's run. Mm -hmm. And I told him I had just read his Swamp Thing. And 
even though it was one of his older works, I told him I, I really enjoyed it and um, shared some of my uh, highlights. And he uh, shared a funny story with me that that uh, has always stuck with me. So if you ever get a chance to read his Swamp Thing, uh, there's this one issue in the run. I don't remember what number it is. I'd have to look it up. But there's one issue in the run that's a standalone story that happens to be about uh, this guy named Chester Williams. So just to give a little context for our listeners, Chester in Swamp Thing, he's this a supporting cast character that kind of drops in and out of the story. Um, he's not he's not a major character, but he's a just a supporting cast member. But he's he's basically like this hippie kind of dude, like a yeah, uh, I don't know, like a seventies kind of hippie who who lives by the bayou and you know just wants to be free, man, and all that. He's a laid back dude. Yeah, exactly. And Mark Miller did a story, and it was it was a very satirical story. Keep that in mind. It's a very satirical story about how Chester, I forget exactly how it happens off the top of my head. I think he, I think he smokes some strong weed or something. And then he, (laughs) and it changed his life to the point where he goes from being a hippie to this fascist right-wing police officer. (laughs) And he just goes around doing the most, you know, hardcore cop things that you can imagine. (laughs) He, he pulls a 180. There's like a complete 180 shift in his character, basically. <laughs> a complete 180 shift in his character, and he's he's you know he's doing things like going to a, going to somebody's um, apartment house party, um, and and like just beating up the college students that are smoking weed or something like that, you know, and and just abusing his power um, because he's just on this power trip, and, <laughs> and, and just doing all sorts of. Uh, horrible things to to common citizens because he thinks he can do anything because he's got a badge. So the thing about that issue is that it was drawn by Kurt Swan. So Kurt Swan was a he's a legendary Silver Age artist who who drew Superman oh. in the 60s and 70s. He was basically like the definitive Superman artist of the time, you know, like the the guy that drew the when you think of Superman, like the wholesome, clean-cut Boy Scout, that's Kurt Swan's artwork that you're thinking of. And, and here he is drawing this Mark Miller comic where this fascist cop is doing all sorts of horrible things to people. Right. And and Mark Miller told me that he was, he was really uh, intimidated when he learned that Kurt Swan was going to draw the comic because he was like, man, I feel, it feels so wrong to give him this script <laughs> because it's so vile and Kurt Swan is so wholesome. And it turned out that that issue was uh, Kurt Swan's last work before he passed away. Ooh. Yeah. Ooh. Yeah. Well, at least he got to work with a legend. <laughs> yeah, totally, man. But that, that's, that's just one of my, uh, I guess that's my only real Mark Miller story from the time I uh, met him. But it was something that always stuck with me, and and I I still enjoy his Swamp Thing a lot. Yeah, I think everyone should check it out. Nice, nice, nice. Do you remember uh, if you said anything to him when you met him, or what did he sign for you? I don't actually. I didn't really have much of a interaction with him, as far as I can remember. Um, yeah, I I don't. I certainly don't have a story. Okay. Uh, well, 
the one thing I remember about that day was me and you were talking and uh, we were talking about pranking or it was me, you, and Shanus, and I think we were talking about – I was talking about pranking Mark Miller. Mm-hmm. So what I was going to do was I was going to bring uh, a copy of New Avengers to have him sign it. <laughs> and then I wanted him to – like I wanted him to say – Oh, I didn't write this. Brian Michael Bendis did, and I was gonna go. Yeah, but I like him better than you. <laughs> <laughs> that would have been that would have been funny, but so wrong. Yeah, <laughs> that was the one thing that I remember. You know what? Though I have a feeling that if you had done that, I bet he would have laughed once he, he learned that a, it was a joke. Yeah, he would have had a chuckle about it. Yeah, he he really came off to me as just like this sweet funny guy you know like he was he wasn't he a, a sense of humor about himself yeah he had a sense of humor he wasn't he wasn't a prideful or cocky guy at all yeah 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 like i uh, like it's funny to say you know from an hour long interview but he's the kind of dude where i'd like i i wouldn't mind being friends with him you know i, I yeah. wouldn't mind grabbing a beer with him or you know grabbing a drink with him or something yeah totally so Albert, what is the official between the gutters stance on Mark Miller? Uh, he's gutter worthy. He's I don't know what our, I don't know how we do. We have a thing for how we like rate good comics. He's you know gutter, I like it. He's like gutter tastic. <laughs> Gutterlicious. I like that. <laughs> well said, Albert. Well said, man. You you come up with all the best lines. Gutterlicious, Shanka Donka. Yeah, man. <laughs> I couldn't. I could not do the show without you, man. Thanks, thanks. I I could have gone the other way too. He's between tastic. Uh, <laughs> he's between horrific. <laughs> uh, I like it, man. I like it. <laughs> so from now on, that's our rating. <laughs> you you got horrific, or you ain't. <laughs> Uh, now i gotta ask you this man sure sure. what are what are your top five mark miller comics your top five favorite mark miller comics okay so in brief i will go i'm just gonna name them off and um you know if you have any questions or if you want me to describe them or anything feel free to interrupt Mm-hmm. So number one for me is the Ultimates. I'm gonna count Ultimates one and two as one thing. So I'm yep. a single body of work. We talked about that at length in uh, one of our very early episodes, maybe even our first episode, right? During our I'd, countdown. Yeah, I yeah. have to double check, but I do feel like that's it's definitely on our top twenty-five list of Marvels of all time. But yep, yeah. Um, Next up on my list, we've we've talked about this at length in this particular podcast, but the authority of the Miller Quietly uh, Nguyen run, uh, Dustin yep. Nguyen run. I have that here. Yep. Uh, Chris third, Weston and Art Adams also. Yeah. Uh, sorry. Uh, my bad for not – that was not gutterific of me at all. I did not <laughs> mention them. <laughs> The third book that I want to win- mention is uh, number three on my list is 1985. It's um, him and Tommy Lee Edwards. I want to give a shout out to both of them on this one. They're both 
Tommy Lee Edwards art is just this beautiful painted style. It's it's kind of a it's kind of a Marvel story that's reminiscent of something like Goonies. Honestly, if if I uh, like I I hate descriptions like that, but <laughs> but it's, you know Spider Man meets Goonies. It's 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 the Avengers meets Goonies. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> I hate like if if you don't know me, then. I'll let you know. I I hate descriptions like that, but just because I'm only going to describe it in brief, like that's that's how I'm going to describe it. Uh, that's another, definitely one of the more uh, lesser known of his Marvel works, I would say. 1985. Yeah, I don't think it makes it to the top of a lot of people's list, but I do think the artwork is just so amazing, and I do think that uh, there are a lot of people who who look to Mark Miller as. A, to, as someone who's a little more on the cynical side, we've talked, or or at least in just how he writes, like we've talked quite a bit about how, oh, you know, some of his stories do have things that happen in them that are can be perceived as mean spirited, or yeah. or just edgy or whatever. But I do think 1985 is something that's more genuine and sincere, and it's just something that it's it's. It's a story told from the point of view of a little kid who loves comics, and you know, a little kid in the real world, right? Yeah, a little kid. Yeah, yeah. That's the. So the premise is a little. There's a little kid who who loves comics, and one day he starts to notice that characters from his comic books are showing up in his neighborhood. And you know what's what's a bigger dream for a little kid who loves comics than to get to work you know, with Spider-Man, with Captain America, with Thor, you know, to, to save the world with, with your heroes, essentially. Mm -hmm. So, Mm -hmm. so it's something that for me personally, like I, I, I I hold it in high regard. Um, the fourth book on my list is, uh, is something that we mentioned a little bit earlier. We didn't talk about it too much, but Superman Red Sun it's, That's a great comic. It's a great comic. It got one of the best movie. Superman comics, I think. It's yeah, I I would want to do like a pretty lengthy discussion on it. I remember reading it a second time or or not second time. I remember reading it more recently and I walked away with more ideas um we mentioned earlier that uh a lot of Mark Miller's comics might come off as quote unquote simple but this is something that i think actually touches on there's there's a profundity to it Mm -hmm. honestly um so just in brief it's 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 an elseworld story so for those of you that don't necessarily that don't know comics too well the elseworlds is uh it's an alternative universe story uh and in this uh in this universe the the premise is what if instead of being raised in america what if superman had crash landed as an infant in communist russia and he had become a communist superman Mm -hmm. and it's yeah there are things about it that reading it uh more recently that it made me it 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 almost had like a Twilight Zony feel to it, if, if that makes any sense. But yeah, it was. It's an interesting uh, story that 
that has something to say about Superman. It might not be the it might not say it in the most obvious way, but it it says something about Superman, I think. And um and my the the la, the last comic and my top 5 for Mark Miller is uh, Wolverine Old Man Logan by Mark Miller and Steve McNaven. Mm-hmm. Uh, we we also mentioned this a little bit earlier. Um, I'm not gonna pretend like this is uh, like high some, art, like yeah, some high art or some great work. But for me, it was just a fun comic about a future version of Wolverine doing a western. <laughs> you know, yeah. Uh, like I, I don't think it's a literal western in the sense that you know he's a cowboy or anything, <laughs> but it it touches on a lot of uh, western tropes and um, it's it's something that I, I someday I'd like to talk about more at length. But uh, for now, that's that's my that's my number five. Very what entertaining about, comic, man. Thank you, thank you. What about you, Drew? What are your top five? Okay, so my top five, my top two are exactly the same as yours, man. The Ultimates and The Authority, you know, those are, even though those are from uh, earlier in his career, I still think they're, like, just really, really good. And even though The Authority has, um, you know, the issues with with censorship and whatnot, it still holds up. Um, They're just really entertaining superhero comics. And and if, if every... If this, if the authority uh, were the baseline for the quality of entertainment I could get from a superhero comic every single time I opened a superhero comic, you know, that would be the greatest thing. That would be awesome. But mm-hmm. there aren't too many uh, other comics that hit those high notes like that. I have a lot of love for his run on the authority. Uh, my number three Mark Miller comic is Starlight. Mm. so starlight is something that uh <clears throat> it's more recent I, I don't remember exactly what year it came out but it's probably in, in the last like seven or eight years the artist is goran parlov so this was one of his uh this was one of the millar world miller world books <clears throat> excuse me starlight it's kind of a take on Flash Gordon. Like, if, imagine if Flash Gordon became an old man and returned back to Earth. Um, so nobody on Earth uh, believes he's been out of space uh, and that he's a hero. And they think one day, <laughs> yeah, they, they, they just think he's an old man talking out of turn or losing his mind or someone with a vivid imagination. Um, and he's got no way to really prove it. But one day, somebody from that other world comes back and needs his help because on in that outer space world, he's a hero. Mm-hmm. So uh, he's got to go back there, man, and go for, go up for one last ride and see if he still has it has what it takes to be a hero, even though he's an old man. And and again, this is one of those stories that I think um, kind of goes against the grain of what Mark Miller is typically known for, which, like you said, is it <laughs> tends to be a uh, cynicism and cynicism and mean spiritedness and starlight like i gotta admit man like i hope i hope this isn't i hope this is not a spoiler for anyone but the whole time i was reading starlight i was just waiting for that 
that twist to show me that, you know, he's a bastard. <laughs> yeah, I was waiting for something to sh- either that or or a twist to show me that um, I was wrong to believe in this optimistic world that they created, you know. And um, so I was just kind of like bracing myself for that the whole time. And and it turns out that this comic actually was one of Mark Miller's most like heartfelt and sincere comics. Like there's, there's not really any cynicism in it. And I I think that's one of the things like just playing against his own type uh, surprised me and actually touched me a lot. And I I think it's, it's one of the comics of his that I've read that I think has the most uh, like really genuine emotional content and artwork is fantastic. Goran Parlov. He's like a, I don't know, man, like a second coming of Mobius or something. He's got the, that's that really European kind of style. Um, it just, it just looks clean, man. Um, I would definitely recommend Starlight to, to anybody. Mm. Number four on my list is a comic that we mentioned briefly earlier. Wanted, which was made into a movie. Uh, I did not watch the movie because it didn't look anything like the comic. (laughs) (laughs) It feels like people seem to like the movie. Um, I don't know, though. In in the commercials, I didn't see anything that made it look like it would appeal to me, so I never bothered watching it. But Wanted, uh, the comic is about basically uh, this young man learns that he's uh, the son of a supervillain who happens to be part of a secret society of supervillains that secretly runs the entire world. And once he discovers that he's his father's heir, he learns he can join this secret society. He has powers to, to have really good aim and kill things. So he can basically do whatever he wants and live out his worst fantasies. So this guy is not a good person to begin with. He's not an upstanding citizen or or anyone that you would consider to be a you know <laughs> of decent moral fiber. <laughs> Having this newfound freedom just causes him to like go nuts in terms of being able to take advantage of his impunity. So he goes around committing all sorts of violence and mayhem, and he's able to get away with it because he's got power now. So it, it's this is a book I think that'll was probably the line of demarcation for a lot of Mark Miller fans at the time because this was a book where his cynicism was on full display. Um, And I think a lot of people were really offended by the ending. I think they they actually took... This is an example of a comic where people actually took the main character's uh, thoughts and points of view as a mouthpiece for the author, which I think is totally incorrect. Yeah. As well as outrageous and unfair. Churlish. <laughs> it's unfair. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Because if you read it, I think it's pretty obvious that the main character is this scumbag. Just a sleaze yeah. guy, sleazy guy. Yeah. Not, not somebody to, to respect. Um, but the story itself, again, it's... I don't really know how else to describe it other than to say it's entertaining and it's... It's got um, a really compelling plot to follow this guy who basically starts out as a as a punching bag for society and then gains the power to to strike back at 
this world that from his point of view, from his selfish, self-centered point of view to strike back at this world that has wronged him, you know? Mm. So I, I actually think it's a fascinating character study on um, just a really bad person. <laughs> <laughs> and my f- final pick for my top five is his run on Swamp Thing. Just the entire run. I, I forget how many issues exactly, um, but it was at least like 20-something issues. Uh, like I said before, I, I think it's the second greatest Swamp Thing run after Alan Moore. So Swamp Thing is a DC character. I mean, literally what he is is a pile of uh, vegetation that lives in the swamp, hence the name Swamp Thing. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, I, I didn't know. What's the, the, but yeah, well it's, done. Well done. It, it's a it's a story that it's a series that over time, once it became a Vertigo series, it, it was it's a series that explores a lot of uh, I guess concepts that don't really fit into that typical superhero fisticuffs mold you know there's a lot more of different types of adventures and and um then yeah i I guess i I would just say that it's it's really different from everything else i've read from mark miller but if if you're somebody who doesn't who thinks that you don't enjoy mark miller's work because it's just uh too vile or or too violent or anything like that you know, I, I won't say Swamp Thing is totally um, squeaky clean. Mm. It is. It's still a Vertigo comic, so there's there's some stuff in there that um, you know isn't for children. But like overall, if you want just an intelligent uh, mainstream type of comic, Swamp Thing is definitely one to keep an eye out for. Nice. That's a good list, man. I dig it. I dig it. It is certifiably gutterific. <laughs> Thank you, man. And your list is guttertastic. <laughs> <laughs> uh, one more, one more question, man. What are your most underrated Mark Miller comics? Yeah, I, uh, I was just contemplating that myself, and there's, there's a fair amount of things of his that I haven't read. There's stuff that I. I think the the one of the things that I do want to read the most is his Adventures of Superman stuff. So yeah, I don't know that's, if that's necessarily underrated, but it is something that I want to read. Yeah, um, back in back in the late '90s, he he wrote the comic that was based on the Superman animated series. Yeah, yeah, that was called uh, Superman Adventures. And yeah. I've I've read some of it. I have a a digest sized trade from the early 2000s that collects like four or five issues of it, but I've never read the whole thing and I've always wanted to read it, but it's so, yeah. I don't even, I don't even think it's uh I don't think they ever made a trade of it. So it's hard to, hard to obtain. I have a feeling that DC has, um, ill will towards him. <laughs> yeah. yeah. But yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, like you mentioned earlier, I do think I do happen to agree that 1985 is something of his that is even less on the radar than most of his other works. So mm-hmm. I think that's part of the reason why I do put it on the list, and that's why I, um, you know, 
shill for it whenever I can. Mm-hmm. Um, in addition to that, I actually wanted to point out that I I actually consider Starlight something that's underrated. Um, oh yeah, that's yeah, true. It is. I I think out of his Miller World stuff, it's uh, definitely on the upper end, but I don't know that it gets a lot of attention. Yeah, good point. I don't. Yeah, I don't think it's something that. Uh, yeah, I don't because they haven't made a movie of it or anything yet. Yeah. Um, so. It's yeah, it's probably less popular than some of his yeah. other stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So those those are my three um, underrated Mark Miller comics. So try to try to get a hold of them. Try to read them if you can. What about you, Drew? Uh, the the first thing that popped into mind was MPH. MPH was a, a five issue uh, Miller World limited series uh, published by Image back. Uh, 2014, I think. So it's like six years old. Yeah. Art by the really underrated Duncan Figredo. Mm. But yeah, MPH is, it's a, I think it's something that should appeal to people who like superhero stuff too, because what it is, is it's about um, this uh, young man who, who ends up in, in prison, but somehow he's able to obtain this, uh, this drug called MPH and this this drug gives him the power of super speed. So it becomes a story about him, about this, I guess, a a young hooligan at a crossroads in life, uh, obtaining superpowers and trying to decide, you know, does he, what does he do with it? Does he, does he do the right thing or is it just going to make him uh, go down this path of um, lawlessness? Yeah. Yeah. But yeah. From what I remember. Yeah. Yeah. it's a fun comic, and I, I really like Duncan Figredo's artwork. He's not really as popular as a lot of the other guys um, that have done uh, comics with Mark Miller. Mm. That could be a reason why it's kind of slept on. Mm. Um, yeah, and I, I think his Swamp Thing is underrated just because a lot of people don't really even know about it. It was one of his... I think it might be the... Like, other than like Sonic the Hedgehog, it might be like the longest early thing that he wrote. Yeah, yeah. Um, there's a uh, Ultimate War. I like Ultimate War a lot. You know, people always think about Civil War being the the big thing because yeah. you know it it was it's still probably one of Marvel's top selling perennial uh, trade paperbacks, and you know it it was the basis of a of one of their movies. Yeah. But I actually uh, really like Ultimate War. So Ultimate War was in the Ultimate Universe, and that was a story about the of the Ultimates fighting the x-men so it was basically an avengers versus x-men but it was done in four issues and drawn by chris bacalo yeah in my uh, yeah exactly the uh other story that i think is underrated um is his wolverine enemy of the state story that, that's something that a lot of people don't seem to discuss too much because old man logan kind of overshadows it so people kind of forget that he had a he had a run on wolverine uh before old man logan but if you for anyone that just likes wolverine and wants to read a uh, a wolverine story where he goes on a romp throughout the marvel universe and you know does what he does best Yeah. yeah check out wolverine enemy of the state nice good list good list i dig it 
Yeah, man. All this talk about Mark Miller comics kind of makes me just want to sit down and read my Mark Miller comics. For sure, man. I've got all the hardcovers just sitting next to me, and um, I, I I do want to like watching the the shoot uh, interview that they did. It made me want to read uh, Old Man Logan again, and you know, with the animated movie for Superman Red Sun coming out, it makes me want to read my copy before I watch the movie. So, yeah. You know, give both of those a check out. Really give anything in his body of work a check out. What about the unfunnies? Oh, oof. yeah, I think that's another one that you can, okay. <laughs> okay. Don't give that a check out. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that that was up there with uh, Nemesis in terms of just what what are you trying to do, dude? <laughs> <laughs> I think he was just trying to be as gross as he could be. It was a pretty gross comic. It was pretty gross. <laughs> uh, I don't think it's something he's gonna revisit, but you never know. <laughs> are there any of his uh, recent works that you're uh, that you're enjoying, or because I haven't really read anything since he did the Magic Order a year or two ago. Did you get the Magic Order? Did you uh, read that from the library? Yeah, I borrowed it from the library. That's one uh, of the you ones. Know, Go ahead. It, it's. I think that was the first thing that came out under the Netflix deal. So they're yeah. developing it into a TV series. I I, I believe yeah. the art in the comic was by Olivier Coipel. Yeah. I mean, to be honest, I I read it. I enjoyed it. I didn't feel like I wasted my time or anything, but I, I don't really remember a whole lot. It's yeah. probably not one of the comics that, that stands out to me in my mind. Um, I, yeah. I I hate to say it, but I don't even think I enjoy the artwork as much as I usually enjoy Olivier Coipel's work. Um, wow. so, yeah, so to me, that that was just... It was, it was, it was fine, but it, it, it's not one of my uh, favorites or anything. Yeah. Oh... Uh... So I read two of the things that uh, that I believe. Well, okay, one of them I know for sure is coming out under the Netflix, which is Sharky the Bounty Hunter, which is mm -hmm. him and Simeon Bianchi. Yeah, um, that was fine. I think it was. I don't think he does anything to break the mold with it. He doesn't really try to go. Um, yeah, he doesn't really try to experiment or do anything too wild. Um, so I, I read it, and if I ever found... If he ever did more of it, I'd check it out just out of curiosity. Uh, I The other thing that I read of his more recently was Reborn, which was him and Greg Capullo. Capullo? 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 I'm not, I'm not even sure how to pronounce his name. <laughs> yeah. Um... That I actually would say that I enjoyed that to some level. Like I, now that I think about it, I can't remember it too much, other than the basic premise of it, which is an old woman dies and she wakes up in a new world, like a an epic fantasy world, and and she goes on to have these adventures to save this mystical land, but uh. But there are there are hints that there's something going on between the real world and this mystical world that they haven't yet fully revealed. So mm -hmm. uh, it, it's kept me interested enough where when they put out a second volume, I'll track it down. 
Oh, okay. So they they are actually making a sequel to that. I I don't know that they are, but it they just they they left it. I wouldn't call it a cliffhanger necessarily, but the they they had plot hole uh plot plot threads that they didn't um that they didn't fully close out. Right. Right. So. So it, I, I do feel like there may be more to that somewhere down the road. Yeah, um, yeah. Those are those are the other uh, recent Miller World comics that I've read. Is I read Empress, um, which was which was also fine. I think the art was fantastic. It was uh, Ian Stuart Eminen, right? Stuart Eminen, sorry, yes. I, I knew there was an I in it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like, I think the artwork was fantastic. Um, the story wasn't anything too too special either. Um, I'm yeah. a big fan of Stuart Eminen's work, man. He's probably one of my, like, Baker's dozen of favorite artists. Nice, nice, nice. I think of all the stuff that he's put out under Miller World, the best stuff for me would probably be the Jupiter Circle, Jupiter's Legacy stuff. That's that's the stuff that I've probably, uh, aside from Starlight, that I've probably had the most fun with. Yeah, yeah, that Jupiter's Legacy in particular has uh, Frank Quitely art too. Yeah, yeah. So it, it's actually uh, really cool to see that they still work together after uh, you know all these years since the yeah. authority. Yeah. Oh, you know that just reminded me of a uh, another comic of his that I don't think we name checked, but uh, Superior. Yeah. Did you it's like that one? Of... That was a that was a good comic too, and that one's been kind of forgotten. Yeah, it's it's fun. It's kind of him doing his version of Captain Marvel slash Shazam. Yeah. So. It... I remember that. That was definitely on the stronger end of his uh, his early Miller World stuff. Yeah, that one that one wasn't mean spirited, was it? Because I don't really remember anything bad about it like no, that. No. Yeah. It, it certainly wasn't on the same level as Kick Ass. <laughs> 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 yeah. Um. Well, uh, okay. So it's interesting. Uh, so Mark Miller tends to do a lot of the Miller World stuff, but the the other comics that I I I have been reading from his Miller World was uh some of the Hit Girl uh comics have had guest writers. Oh yeah. That's right. So Jeff Lemire wrote some, Peter Milligan wrote some, Kevin Smith wrote some. And I have to say the that that was some great stuff. Like the Jeff Lemire Hit Girl in Canada story was I thought that was just fantastic. That was a pretty funny one from what I remember. Yeah. And you got to love how Jeff Lemire being a Canadian had to bring Hit Girl to Canada. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, the funny thing is, it, it, I don't know like if everybody that guest wrote did a story based on where they were from, but like uh, when Kevin Smith did his, it was Hit Girl in Hollywood <laughs> that makes sense and yeah. peter milligan's was hit girl in india i think yeah and if you uh as i'm someone who's like deeply engrossed in the entire bibliography of peter milligan because he's yeah. one of my three favorite writers yeah but he he's always had an affinity for india yeah 
So okay. it makes sense that he would do that story. Yeah, that makes sense. I'm, I like. I don't think we got all the issues of that, but I'm definitely curious to check that out when we get it. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. All right, man. Any other? Uh, any more closing thoughts on uh, Mark Miller? Uh, I I feel like I have expelled all of my positive ideas on him. <laughs> so Maybe. now you've only got negative energy left. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> There's just a dark chunk of, of just negative energy at the pit of my soul. <laughs> you're about to, you're going to log off out of this call and, and uh, go on 4chan or something now, huh? <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to write up an, an angry letter. <laughs> I hate your smile. <laughs> <laughs> all right everybody uh just thanks for uh listening thanks for joining us hope you uh check out the Sh mark miller shoot interview on cartoonist kayfabe you can find their channel on youtube i, I can't remember their their exact address but you, i'm pretty sure if you just go to youtube and search for cartoonist kayfabe you will yeah. find it um like so, we'll, so we'll check post them out link somewhere yeah yeah and uh yeah, check out some Mark Miller comics. Yeah. Thanks for listening, guys. Thanks for listening. Catch you later. Peace Shankadanka. out. Shankadanka. Gutterific. Gutter tastic. <laughs> 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 <laughs>